Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Thank you. Oh, 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 yes. Thank you. Well done. 12 years. Babies. Anyway, it is good to be with you. We're going to do something that everyone across the whole world is doing right now. I'm going to say, He is risen, and you're going to stand and say, He is risen indeed. We good? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Well done, half of you. Okay, you can grab your seats. I, uh, I worked out what I was going to preach on during the first service. So by now, it should be okay-ish. We should know what we're saying. Uh, but uh, I think this is going to bless you. I'm going to talk about, especially for those who went through tough times in COVID, getting your special back. Getting your special back. And it'll make sense in a little while. But uh, to set it up, I am, I'm at that stage in my parenting life where I listen to more pop than any other time other than when I was like 13. So, so like, I, I'm getting punished. But anyway, I, I'm listening to pop music all the time because my kids are getting shaped by pop music. So, so I listen to it, and then I, I preach the gospel. And because they're a little bit young, they don't go, oh, dad. Like, they haven't got to standard operating procedure to do that. Now, now I can just have conversations with them about how oh, that doesn't really write. This is what Jesus says and all of that. And anyway, the other day I'm driving to drop Geordie off, and he says to me, dad, do you have to break up with your girlfriend to sing a song that gets onto radio? <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, out of the mouth of babes. Just wisdom coming out. Uh, anyway, so then a couple of weeks later, uh, I'm, I'm listening to the radio, and this incredibly catchy tune kicks off on the radio. And, uh, and I listen, 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 and then at the end of the song, I just burst out into laughter, and I'm going to tell you the words of this song so that you understand why I laugh so hard. It goes like this. I hope you both feel the sparks by the end of the drive. I hope you know she's the one by the end of the night. I hope you never, ever felt more free. Tell your friends that you're so happy. I hope she comes along and wrecks every one of your plans. I hope, she spend, I hope you spend your last dime to put a rock on her hand. I hope she's wilder than your wildest dreams. She's everything you're ever going to need. And here's the big line. And then I hope she cheats like you did on me. It's just, I hear this song like I am crying, laughing in the front. And so Gracie has been quiet up until that, says, Dad, why are you laughing? Now, now you know when, you, when like thousands of thoughts are coming through your brain. Like, I'm, I'm thinking things like, because I told them to do premarital and they didn't. Like, I, I'm going, like all of these thoughts because I'm just a sadistic. Do, do, do. Like, these thoughts are just coming through my brain. And then eventually I said to my baby, because every single one of us goes through that song. Every single one of us puts our hopes and dreams into some person or some people and has them dashed. And every single one of us somewhere down the line want to say, and I hope that happens to you. <laughs> you know, it's just, and so, so I'm, talking, I'm talking to her through this and I'm realizing this is the story of Easter. That everybody somewhere down the line, 
gets the rug pulled out from underneath their feet and feels like everything's burnt down and broken down. And, and isn't there something to hate? <laughs> Someone to get back. See, the story of Easter before its Resurrection Sunday is the carnage of the cross. See, today we celebrate this Sunday, the tomb's empty. 2,000 years ago today, they were still thinking about the rugged cross. They couldn't get through the pain. To understand Easter is to understand the pain of the cross before it's to understand the joy of the resurrection. And if you are going to get your sparkle back because of what happened over COVID or what's happened to you in life or because, because you experienced the breakup and you've, like a 16-year-old, you've turned to the dark side and now you're getting people back. If you've gone through pain, then you need to understand the process of resurrection life in order for Easter to make sense. Now, whenever you preach an Easter message, you, you're so aware that there are two crowds. There's the crowd who got dragged along here or dragged into your lounge, and you, you're watching this now uh, on TV, and you got dragged there kind of kicking a little bit because you're not a Christian, you're sort of sussing this out, and we want to prove to you that the resurrection really happened. That's one crowd. And then there's the other crowd, the people who believe but are struggling to make the resurrection real. And so I figured, because we've got online, we've got lots of preachers, I would get one preacher to preach to you about why you should believe it, and then I'm going to preach to you about how to make resurrection life come into you. So watch the screens as Sia opens up some of the evidence, and then I'll come and preach the rest. You know, uh, most people view the Easter story in the same way that they view the Easter bunny, and that it's just a nice fantasy. Paul, in the book of Corinthians, in this small portion of scripture, makes an observation in addressing these group of people that might have been having a difficult time understanding the concept of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4, says this, Jesus was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his, of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Here's what Paul is saying in that portion of scripture that we just looked, read together, that there were witnesses that the skeptic and someone who was doubting could go and speak to because they were witnesses and not even just from a point of they heard this from somebody else but they had first-hand experiences of Jesus so if they're still skeptical or doubting having a difficult time understanding the concept of the resurrection he's saying go and investigate this for yourself because this is real the validity of the resurrection isn't just seen from the account of the 500 witnesses that Paul has pointed to us in the portion of scripture that I just read. We're not going to look at um, its validity from the, from the perspective of the disciples themselves, and more, more specifically in the way that they're choosing to tell the story. I'm going to point some stuff out to you, but we're going to look at a portion of scripture in the book of Luke chapter 24 that has some interesting details that we're going to look at um, halfway in this bit that I'm going to read for us today. 
Why don't you read with me? Chapter, uh, chapter 24, verse 13 says this. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to, the, to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who had told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as, it, as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It's very interesting in the way that they're choosing to tell the story. It's interesting from the point of view that in the way that they're telling it, it's very difficult to tell a story in this way that you yourself come across as someone that didn't understand or possibly even believe. So if you're making this thing up, they're starting from a point of negative, from a negative point of view as opposed to a positive point of view. The first of which were their they're including the women who were at that time seen just above slaves. So that in and of itself just puts them in a lesser point of understanding. Um, and then the fact that, the, that they, the stranger didn't have any idea or clue of the stuff that had been happening at that point, or Jesus himself had to be the one to unpack and explain the scriptures to them. It's too real. It's too raw not to be believable, not to be true. You wouldn't develop a conspiracy or a theory or a make-believe story starting from this point of view. The scripture carries on and continues in the uh, verse 28 and it says this. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the, stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with, uh, as he talked with us on the road, explaining the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There, they found the 11 disciples and the others who had uh, gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Friends, so here are the two big ideas. So the people that are skeptical, that are doubting, that are on the fence, that Paul and the disciples themselves, in the way that they're choosing to, that in the way that they're choosing to tell the story, are highlighting to us today. And that there are witnesses to the account of Jesus' Jesus' resurrection. And in the way that they're choosing to tell the story from their own perspective, where they put themselves in a negative light, which you wouldn't do if you're telling a make-believe story. They're 
depositing and submitting to us that this story could possibly be true. And very well is. Well done. So, here's what he's saying for the heady people, before I speak to the hearty people. He's saying, there are 500 people who saw Jesus resurrected. And by saying there are 500 people, he just put them on the martyrdom list. You wouldn't do that if you didn't believe this. And then he's saying, the way they told the story was impossible if it was a conspiracy. Now, I'm going to leave that. I want to, I want to speak to your hearts. If we're going to get resurrection life into your hearts, I want to speak to your hearts. See, I want to take you to the scripture. Because the first, the first question I asked after I read that text was, why did God keep them from recognizing Jesus? You know, the text says in verse 13, it says, Jesus follows, they walk into a mass. And as they talked and discussed the things that had happened, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Why? What's so important about them not being able to recognize Jesus that, Jesus, that God goes, I'm going to put them through more pain? Why is this so important? I'm going to read a little bit of the rest of the text. Now, I mean, it's quite interesting because they don't recognize Jesus, and so they're chatting away, and they, they get a little sarcastic. You're the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know this thing. And then, and then they start telling Jesus about his weekend. This is what you did on Friday. This is what happens on Saturday. Now it's Sunday, and they, they start talking about the women at the empty tomb, and some angels arrive, and, and the disciples go. They see the empty tomb, and then Jesus rebukes them. I want you to think for a moment. They're in agony. And Jesus, he doesn't comfort them. He rebukes them. The scripture says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish or dull-hearted people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then he opens up, all the promises from the Old Testament through Moses, through David, and the Psalms, through all the prophets. And he begins to show people that he was going to be persecuted, die, and be raised again. Let me tell you why it's so important. Jesus wants us to be able to recognize him here before we can recognize him there. Jesus wants us to be able to interpret what's going on in the world through this before we interpret it through this. Because life is about to throw you a whole bunch of stuff like COVID that you just can't process, you just can't get your head around, you weren't built for, you don't understand. It's called tribulation. It's going to come at you. And Jesus knows, just like a father knows, he needs to teach his son certain things so that he can cope through life. He needs to teach his daughter certain things so that she can thrive in life. As a father says, no, you can't touch that. No, you can't behave like that. Jesus knows that if his disciples live their life by science, science is believing what you can see. If they live their lives by science, they are going to go through so much up and down that it will be carnage to their souls. 
And so before Jesus goes, he makes sure, he gives them this gift that they would understand him from Scripture and their circumstances from Scripture so that they wouldn't be destroyed by circumstance. Now, he shows them to walk by faith and not by sight because resurrection power comes to the degree by which you believe in him, not by the degree by which you do good. But then this verse jumped out at me. Now remember, the disciples are overwhelmed with pain. And, uh, and, and it says this, in verse 17, it says, they stopped short, sadness written across their face. I read that verse and it just popped out at me, sadness written across their face. And then in verse 21, it says, we had hoped, we had hoped he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. I speak to lots of people with sadness written across their face, covered has created an overwhelming sense of sadness, discouragement, pain, hopelessness across their faces. And if you dig down in a conversation with those people, you will find that they will say something like this. They'll say it in different ways. We had hoped Jesus would have. What have, what have you hoped that Jesus would have? Given you a, a different job? A different body, a different career, different spouse. Don't, don't. What, what was the thing? What is the we had hoped? Because everyone I, I meet had hoped that Jesus would have. And the problem is that you can't have God's hope for your future and your hope for your future in the same vessel, if you want God to put his resurrection power into the vessel, you have to give up your hope. But here's what happens when pain happens. It it happens right here. It starts with sadness. They had sadness written across their, their faces. Then the next verse, they start getting sarcastic. You know what sarcasm is? We call it a coping mechanism. You know why we use coping mechanisms? to keep you away from my sad. Because I don't want you touching my sad. Because when you touch my sad, it gets sadder. (laughs) And it comes out my eyes. And so the way I cope is with sarcasm and anger and all kinds of incredible schemes that we come up. But you know the problem with that is if I keep using coping mechanisms to deal with my sad, I will land up where they landed up in skepticism. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. The tomb's empty, we had hoped. Angels spoke, we had hoped. What happens if you keep using coping mechanisms day after day, week after week? You will start to find your heart starts to dry up and wither. And you wake up one day and you're pretty much skeptical about life. And then you're an old man, you're sitting there 
cursing the dog and throwing beer bottles at things. You're just like, you've dried up. We had hoped. You've given up hoping. Giving up expecting something beautiful can happen. But Jesus doesn't let them stay there because he's got resurrection power on the way. And so he invades their space. And then he says to them, I want you to go to a room and I want you to wait 10 days. He doesn't tell them the 10 days. He says, I want you to go to a room and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And I can imagine probably like 12, maybe 15 guys, they go there and they're waiting around. And then the one guy starts singing a song, and then everybody starts singing, and then they start praising, and, and then someone starts praying and thanking Jesus. And then as they're going, you know, John's lying down, writing a poem, Peter's distracted, looking at the wall, and then, and then someone goes, you know what? I never thought about it this way, but, but I should have realized that when Jesus went to the cross when he was dying in there, it was impossible that he stayed dead because it says in Psalm 16 that he wouldn't let his holy one rot in the grave. And then someone else would have popped up. And I thought that Jesus was going to do this, this, and this, but it actually makes no sense that he does that because in Isaiah it says that he will go through this. And then the next person started popping up, and the next person, the next person, and I reckon after 10 days they had discovered so much of the Bible that they didn't even know existed that they had reinterpreted their present by completely retranslating their history. If you want to get out of sadness and out of sarcasm and out of skepticism, you have to let this redefine your history. You have to sit down and go, God, I'm not going to be defined by what I see. I'm going to let the scriptures define me because I think what happened as they were going through, they started looking at all these scriptures and one day, somewhere down the line, probably day nine, they started going, you know what? I thought our whole lives had burnt down. But now I'm starting to realize that God was just getting started. I thought we'd become redundant. Our best days were behind us. But as I start to read the scriptures and behold Jesus, I'm starting to realize that God was just shaping us into the vessel he wants us to become. And I thought that everything because of COVID that hit me absolutely destroyed me. But I've started to realize that God is just beginning to work for good everything in my life. And I thought that I would never be able to get up again and stand and lead and do whatever you do. But I've started to realize that God has been at work this whole time. And the thing God's wanting is a vessel that can be used to display resurrection power in my life. I am starting to understand that I completely missed the point. So if you want resurrection power, God can give resurrection power to dead stuff. So it can come to anyone. But if you want disproportionate resurrection power, there are two things that have to happen. The one is you have to take your dreams and your plans to the cross. You have to let them die. 
See, there's some of you here. You're in so much pain right now because every single dream of your life got crushed. And you've landed up to where the best place that I could define you is feeling redundant. And I want to say, blessed are you. Lucky you. Because there are others of us who are still going through that. And there's some young people here who don't even know that it's coming. I want to say to you, blessed are you. God is about to do a good thing in you. You take them to the cross. And if there are any dreams that you still got that you haven't killed, go put them on the cross. Because you cannot have God's plan for your life and your plan for your life. You've got to choose. God's going to anoint someone who's given up on this and he's grabbing hold of this. God has hopes for you. I know you had hopes for you. God's got bigger hopes for you. But you've got to let go of these hopes. You've got to give up. Let them die. And then you've got to look at life and you've got to go, I am not going to let what I see define who I am. I'm going to let what he says define who I am and where I am and where I'm going and how it works and what's actually happening in the world and what he wants to do. And you will be transformed by resurrection power, but you've got to redefine. And right now, right now, some of you are crying because God is going, I want that for you. I have a dream for you. You're crying, but you're crying about yesterday, and I'm going to redefine your yesterday if you dive into my, my text. Resurrection power is coming. So I want to pray for people who have had their yesterday ripped apart, and you need it redefined. Stand. I want to pray for you. I'm glad not too many. You know, sometimes only one person stands and is like a really brave person. But now you don't have to be brave. This is when you repent. Remember, Jesus rebuked them in their pain. It doesn't feel fair, but that's what happens here. And so I wanted you to just put your hands up and go. Jesus, I have had so many plans. I've had so many dreams. I have hoped you would do so many things. But I want to put that on the cross, Lord. You give me a new hope. I want to have your hopes. I, I want to make your dreams a reality for my life. I want to please you tomorrow. Lord, I'm going to trust that you take care of that stuff. I'm going to make my life about you. And God, I'm not going to be defined anymore by what I see. I don't want to walk by sight. I want to walk by what you see, by what you say, by what you feel, by your presence, by your life, because I want your resurrection power. So come into my life and give me resurrection power, I ask, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
I pray God grabs your life, he rips it apart, and he puts it back together again this Easter. I pray that you feel his presence as you go. May God fill you and bless you and overflow in your life. You have an amazing Sunday. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.